think for me, the thing that if I could just change in everybody's mindset about copy is that it's not just to make you more money. It's not just to increase your sales. What it really does is it brings in people who you're aligned with. So you actually like your job more because it doesn't really matter if you're making a ton of money, if you're not actually enjoying the clients that you're working with. Welcome to the Step Into Clarity podcast. I'm your host, Marissa, founder of Quillen Co. and mentor of other designers just like you. Step into clarity with me as I have candid conversations about both the growth and the goof ups of navigating this wild ride of online business. Hello, friend, and welcome back to another episode of the Step in the Clarity podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. This week, I chat with copywriter Rachel Griman of Green Chair Stories. She founded Green Chair Stories, a copywriting collective for photographers and creatives in 2014, and now she's managing a team of five. And they write websites, they sell products, and they do coaching for photographers as well as designers. And I'm just so excited to chat with Rachel today. Of course. Thank you for having me. What's something that designers or just creatives in general seem to misunderstand about website copy? Because a lot of us designers like also work on website and there's just like different hiccups that we run into along the way. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of technical things I could go into, you know, about like the sales psychology of copy and where things should go on the page and things like that. But I think for me, the thing that if I could just change in everybody's mindset about copy is that it's not just to make you more money, you know, and it's not just to increase your sales. Obviously, that's the driving factor behind why you would hire a copywriter or why you would pay for copy. But what it really does is it brings in people who you're aligned with. So you actually like your job more. And because it doesn't really matter if you're making a ton of money, if you're not actually enjoying the clients that you're working with. Copy can do its job and make you money, but it also can make you money with the wrong people. So something that I like to say that makes us different than other you know, copywriting agencies is that we're just as focused on getting you the right people as we are making you money because one doesn't really matter without the other. That is so true. And for design, we capture the attention Right. on the website. And then copywriting is like ultimately what leads people to make a buying decision. Mm-hmm. But 100%, it it doesn't matter if it's with someone that you don't want to work with. Right. And I mean, I guess I'm speaking more towards service providers, like people who are actually interacting with their clients and have clients, not customers. If people are buying a product from you, then I guess it doesn't really matter. But sure. <laughs> if they're buying your services and you have to interact with everybody that purchases from you, don't you want those to be people that you absolutely love working with? 100%. <laughs> Yeah. So we're taught to infuse our own storytelling and like life experiences and our personality into our marketing and copy. And like that can be a really big driving force for working with people that we actually want to. But I think that there can be a fine line of like oversharing versus being personable, relatable, like showing who we are or feeling like you want to keep your brand separate from your personal life, like especially if you're a private person. When do you think people should separate their personal identity from their business? This is a great question. And I wish that there was a straightforward answer, but I think I'm still figuring this out. You know, the longer my business is around, the more iterations of 
my personality come through on the business side of things. When we launch our businesses and it's just us, it's really easy to make everything about who we are. You know, our values are the business values and our goals are the business goals. As you grow and change, I think it's important to acknowledge them as two separate entities and kind of give them their own distinction in your own head. For me, I saw this when I became a mom because it my whole feed started just to be my kids on my business account and I, my kids have nothing to do with my business. It was it just like crept up on me like slowly but surely and it was all consuming and I realized like I had never made this distinction between Green Share Stories the business and Rachel Grime in the person, like they were always the same in my head. And so that's what I was putting out there. I think that's fine if I were, you know, coaching moms or <laughs> like if my business had something to do with my motherhood journey, then that's something different. I think that's a natural segue. You find that you're just sharing personal things just to share them for no reason. I think that's where you get into trouble a little bit. And it's like, it's more attention seeking than value building. Where do you find like the line of building, I don't know, like for- a connection with people? Like, you know, people mm-hmm. are like, share about your morning coffee every day or like build those personal brand kind of things. Yeah. I mean, I I think a morning coffee is like very low stakes (laughs) because (laughs) especially if your audience is like really into coffee. And I think that there's so much we can share about our daily lives that isn't personal, if that makes sense. The way I take my coffee isn't personal. What I eat is not personal. And I do still share personal things about myself for sure. That's not off limits. It's just not a core pillar of my content. I am no longer leaning on my kids and motherhood as a crutch for my content. It's something that naturally comes up because I am a human and I have a life but I'm not mining for meaning in every interaction I have with my toddler. That switch for me, it's not as much about what people see as much as it is about how I'm interacting with my real life. And the problem for me comes in when I'm looking at my daily interactions as a place to find content versus just enjoying my life. Yeah, I love that shift of like during the weekend, I'm like, do I need to share about this? So I'm like on social or can I just like live my life? Right. Can I just have this conversation and be present in it without thinking about how I'm going to spin this into something later? Absolutely. How do you bring infusing personality into your website copy? Well, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. I think the the easiest thing for me when I tell clients to do this is to find the things that they talk about with their favorite clients that are not related to the project that you're working on with them. Like what are the things about life that come up with your clients over and over? Is it a certain TV show? Is it a certain aspect of your lifestyle like clothes or fitness or what you eat? You know, just like your daily habits. What are you, what do you find yourself connecting with your clients on? And that's probably something that you can infuse into your copy that is going to attract more people like that because it's going to feel personal even if it's not intimate. Definitely. And then like for people that are maybe more private or introverted. Do you have any tips for them for like pulling out the personality or where they might feel a little bit more reserved or scared and sharing that with people? Um, Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a lot of people who work for themselves that are introverted. I think we do introverts a big disservice because we assume that just because their personality is not loud, that it is not there. My husband is like the biggest introvert that I know, but I could write a website in his voice in a second 
even though he's a man of few words, there's still a lot of life in what he does choose to say and how he does choose to show up in the world. And I think for introverts, it's easier sometimes to write about beliefs and about observations than it is about like, Yas Queen, like, go girl. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you don't have to invent a catchphrase for yourself if you're introverted. You just have to figure out all of us, even introverts, extroverts, we all have the same thought life. I just think for me as an extrovert, a lot of my thoughts come out as I'm shaping them. And for introverts, they're all inside until they're like formalized and packaged up well enough for an introvert to feel like they want to say it out loud. Deciding that you're going to say it out loud, you know, deciding that you're going to take those observations that you make as an introvert all day long and putting them out into the world so other people can enjoy them. Mm, yeah, I'm I'm definitely in the introverted camp <laughs> and resonated with that, like of what you would say out loud. I'm like, oh, it brought me back to copywriting. And like, if I'm writing my copy and then when I do say it out loud and it just feels like, whoa, I don't know if I really would say that. Right, right. Um, like finding a way to refine that or bring it back to like more me. Absolutely. And I think that's hard for introverts because that's actually a tip that I give a lot is that when you write something for copy, say it out loud and see how it feels coming out of your mouth. And if it's not something you would say, then don't put it there. But I think for introverts, that's a tall order because just because you wouldn't say it doesn't mean you don't think it. <laughs> mm -hmm, definitely. <laughs> and so for you guys, I know that you have to consider what your people need to hear. Even if it's something that you might not say as, you know, Marissa, the wife or friend or sister or daughter, you might say it as Marissa, the business owner. Bringing it a little bit back to the social media world, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sharing your personal life and feeling the constant need to share online. Have you ever taken breaks from social media or felt like you need to scale back your personal life? Oh my gosh, yes. All the time. I took a really, really big break, like nine months, I think. Oh my last gosh. Last wow. year. Yeah, I just really I'm needed- I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, I really needed to hit the stop button. And I was lucky to do that because, I mean, as a lot of people listening can feel like if you don't show up on Instagram, if that's your referral source, you need to be there. But I went off because I felt- I was posting so much about my kids that have nothing to do with my business, like I already said. And I was watching a lot of other moms handle the pandemic and handle motherhood in a way that made me really, really jealous and in a way that made me feel really bad about myself. It was just such bad comparison for me. And then on the flip side of that, I was seeing people who owned a business and didn't have kids. They just had all this time to be at home during the pandemic building this empire and working on their business. And I was so jealous. Like I just had so much envy. Like it was like coursing through my veins every time I opened up Instagram because it felt like everybody was having an easier time than me, which is so not true. Like everybody's struggling with their own things. It was so horrible for my mindset that any inquiry that I got from there wasn't even worth it. It was just time to hit the pause button. So I deleted off my phone. It really gave me the clarity of like that delineation, like I was talking about before, of Rachel Griman, the person, and Green Share Stories, the business. So when I came back last summer, I felt so clear. I had so much clarity about how I wanted to show up and what that space was for. And it was not for following other moms because that made me feel terrible about myself. I wasn't as creative as the stay at home moms and I wasn't as successful as the working moms. So I just needed, I unfollowed them all. I unfollowed like 600 accounts. 
when I came back. And I just whittled it down to like very relevant kind of black and white business stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The mom content just really got in my head. I felt so much better. I felt so much lighter once those accounts were all gone. And those people, there's nothing wrong with them. It was a me problem, not a them problem. And then I felt like I could just show up as a copywriter and I could just show up for people as a business. And every once in a while, I'll post something pretty personal or like something that has nothing to do with copywriting just to keep things engaging. But since June, I've really, really focused on just delivering the value that our company delivers every day to our clients. And it's just made such a world of difference with my mindset around using the app. Mm, such a good tip. And I love the idea of just like unfollowing 600 people. Yeah. And it definitely resonates with me in like both business sphere of things like hearing, oh, do like everyone needs to be doing this or mm-hmm. everyone needs to be doing this. And then also like the personal accounts that I follow. Like I follow a lot of interior design stuff mm-hmm. and then scrolling through. I'm like, oh my gosh, why doesn't my house look like right. that? Or like, yeah. <laughs> like it's just so unrealistic. The line between like, aspirational and inspirational is really, really thin on Instagram. Oh, and yeah. I think taking a break fine tunes your brain to recognize when you're crossing it. So how while you were on your break, where were you finding your clients? Um, a lot of podcasts, because I felt like that was a way for me to still meet new audiences and be relevant and show up in people's lives, <laughs> you know, <laughs> without social media and my newsletter. I really, really doubled down on my news, my email newsletters to my list. I do not have a large list at all. Even still, it's less than 2000 people, but it grows steadily every single day. I get at least a couple new subscribers. You know, I set myself on a three email a month schedule. I did it every month and it just, it kept us as busy as we wanted to be. You write amazing emails. Oh, thank you. (laughs) What are some tips that you would give designers for like wanting to write better emails? Just like every piece of copy that you write, you need to know who you're writing to. And don't think about the people you have on your list. Think about the people you want to have on your list. And this is an exercise I do with all of our clients. We need to define your one reader. So if you're a designer and you're, let's use you as an example, Marissa, what kind of person are you writing to on your email newsletter list? Well, I have two audiences. Like Let's pick server. your like one-to-one services audience. Okay. Like your clients. Okay. Clients would be service providers. Okay. That they've been in business for probably like three plus years mm-hmm. are outsourcing things kind of rapidly, like either through okay. team members, VAs, outsourcing, like they've they've come to a point where time is a lot more important to them than their money. Mm -hmm. Do you want more? No, that's great. Okay. So everybody (laughs) listening, that is a great one reader profile. You're basically just giving the stats. I mean, I'm assuming it's a lot of female business owners. Yes. Um, Female business owners, you know, probably on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial um, or a mix of both age groups. Mm -hmm. They are not newbies. You know, they don't know nothing. They're not looking for free. They're ready to spend money, but they maybe don't know what to spend money on. And they, their business is growing. They want to grow more and they just kind of don't know where to invest their time and their money. So this is a profile that we've just created for her audience. So we then can make a list of all the different things that they might want to learn from her. And Marissa will be the one to make this list because she knows what she's an expert in. She can come up with five best things I ever outsourced in my business. Like that would be a great newsletter. But for me, the way my brain works is I need categories. So I have series. And so I always send the same email every month. It's just a different topic. Every The first Wednesday of every month, it's called What I Know About. And it's just 
that one's just for fun. And like, I've talked about like what I know about John Mayer, you know, (laughs) it's literally just seven things that I know about that topic. This month is going to be what I know about rebranding because we just launched our our whole site. And then my other, I have a copywriting tip. That's just a really quick, hey, here's an what I think you should do on your website. And here's an action item. And I have um, a site review once a month where I go through somebody's site and I review it on a loom call and everybody can watch my advice. So I have series that keep me really accountable because then I don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. So you could do lists like your top fives, you know, once a month you have your top five things you outsource, top five tools that you use in your business top five accounts you follow on Instagram. You know, I highly recommend making a series. That way you're not asking your brain to do extra work every month. Yeah. You're not like recreating the wheel, like trying to figure out another idea. Totally. (laughs) Totally. So I think, and I get a lot of ideas for newsletters on Instagram now, now that I'm back, I ask a lot of questions and I see what people are asking of me. I also try to keep it relevant to things that I have coming up. If I'm launching a product, like I have email templates that I sell to both photographers and designers. And I'll talk a lot about the importance of email communication leading up to a launch. Love that. I know that like email communication is really important to you, like even outside of just like marketing emails. Mm -hmm. And how could people add more of their personality to just like regular email communication? Yeah. I think that when people send emails in their business, it's very funny to me because it's like they sit down as themselves and then like the CEO of Costco comes out of their fingertips and they're like, (laughs) this needs to be really formal because there's money involved and there's a contract and it's legal, you know, and you're a client. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And they use words that they would never use anywhere else. But for some reason, because there's a contract attached, they think it needs to sound, you know, stuffy. And I will live and die on this hill that your email communication becomes the experience that your client remembers of having with you throughout the process of working with you. And so those little emails all add up to their overall recommendation of you. If they don't feel like they were communicated with um, thoroughly, often enough, or with enough like personal attention, that all is like a little ding on the referral marker. So I'm really, really adamant that people figure out how to take you know, you're going to spend money on website copy, but like then not pay attention to your workflow. So if people buy templates, I'm like, make sure you're personalizing at least every other email to them and including something that makes them feel special, like you're paying attention to them. So important. And I feel like this is a question I hear from designers a lot is like, how often should I be checking in? Like how much should personal attention should I be giving? I feel like for designers, your process is a little bit longer than ours. So, you know, you might be working with a client over several months instead of just a couple weeks. I think that especially on the months where it's not active and you're not actively working on things, I don't think there's anything wrong with a weekly or every other week check-in just to say, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm working on. Do you have any questions so far? Like just always putting the ball back in their court and giving them an opportunity to communicate with you. Because even if you can't anticipate all of their needs, you can certainly provide space for them to come to you with something. Mm, Definitely. I always find that like letting them know too beforehand, I'm always like, I might go a little quiet for the next two weeks. I'm just busy behind the scenes, busy bee. (laughs) But yeah, I think that is such a kind heads up from any service provider. Like, hey, just so you know, my head's down. I'm still thinking about you. I don't think that there's really such a thing as over communication when people are paying you a lot of money. 
Mm, agreed. I'm like the number one over communicator. Yeah, like sometimes yeah. I'm annoying. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Be annoying. For us designers, when we work with our clients on website projects, I think that almost all of us would agree that getting the copy from our client is like the biggest headache. We would obviously love for all of our clients to work with professional copywriters. What are some tips that you would give designers for getting their clients on board with a copywriter? This is a great question. And I want every designer in the world to hear me say this, (laughs) that just because somebody's investing a lot of money with you doesn't mean they're not willing to invest a lot of money with someone else. I have seen a lot of designers be afraid to pitch a copywriter because they're afraid it's going to cut into their value or worth with a client. And copywriters do this too. We are not without fault here. I just think once we get a client in our doors, it's a little bit like, oh, I don't want them to go anywhere or like feel like they're spending too much or feel like my services aren't worth it if they invest in this other thing. If you can just look at a client as somebody that you want to help in the most holistic way possible, then design and copy is going to be the way to do it. I My copy is 10 times better when a professional designer puts it on a website. I would prefer that all the time. I even have like deals that I work with other designers that's like, hey, I'm willing to discount X amount if they work with you. I would much rather make a little bit less and have the client have a better overall experience than them get like a half-assed website. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because any designer's touch, even just customizing a template <laughs> is better than a client throwing up copy on their own. I think it's a mindset issue for a lot of people, copywriters and designers, than it is actually a tactical like, oh, I need you to get me your copy. I think it's more we need to start baking it into what we talk about when we talk with clients. You know, when people reach out to me, I'm like, who's your designer? What are you doing with this? Did you buy a template? (laughs) You know, I introduced the conversation of, hey, you should hire a designer from the second they slide into our inbox because I know that I can set their expectations then and they can take the whole budget into account versus, oh, they're paying so much money with us and now they have to make this big purchase that they weren't expecting later with the designer because they don't know what to do with it. I think just assuming the best of people that they're, big kids and they can make their own financial decisions. <laughs> like pitch your copywriter friends. It's going to make your life better in the long run. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think for me, it's been bringing it up early and often yes. like on a sales call. I like asking like, so what are you planning on doing about your, the copy? Totally. Um, and then again, later when we kick it off, like, do you need copywriter suggestions, following up with a timeline mm-hmm. and letting them know ahead of time, like this isn't my specialty, but having the copy is going to make the website like 100% better. Like what's the point of investing in design if there's not going to be like really great words and really great photographs? That's just like, why do it in the first place? And vice versa. I feel the same way. You know, I think that design is just as important. They go hand in hand. And I think strategic partnerships are so crucial. Like if you are a designer, buddy up with a copywriter. It is, or uh, several, you know, I have a long list of designers that specialize in different things that work on different platforms. And I love to be able to match people with the right one. It just makes everybody so much better. And the client is so much happier when they have that full whole experience. And I think all of us in our little heart of hearts would love to just be an agency where we have access to all of these skills all at once. But because we're all running our own businesses, the next best thing is really strategic, beautiful partnerships 
that last, you know, across several clients in several years. Everyone come partner with Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm not right for you, I'll tell you and I will tell you who is. I am I am all about matchmaking. I love that. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit and do a quick this or that. You can either give an expl- explanation on why you picked it or just leave it as is. Ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. Google Drive or Dropbox? Google Drive. Be afraid or be embarrassed? Be afraid. Clean desk. I hate being embarrassed. That's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> it's the worst feeling. <laughs> I just like want to hide. Yeah. Uh, clean desk or messy desk? Ugh, unfortunately, messy desk always. Never had a clean desk a day in my life. <laughs> morning person or night owl? Oh, morning. I'm asleep by 8 p.m. on the couch every night. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Awesome. And then my final question for you is what's something that you're trying to find clarity on right now? This is a great question. I think I am like in your profile that we outlined for your newsletter of, you know, I'm outsourcing a lot of things really, really fast right now. And, you know, we have a team of writers, we have three writers and my assistant and myself. And, you know, we just brought on someone for Pinterest and we're working through all these, you know, unknowns and we're launching more products. We're in this huge season of growth and it's just kind of that, that hard place of like, do I invest even more money? you know, you spend money to make money or do I pinch my pennies a little bit and see how this goes for a couple months before taking the plunge? So I guess I'm seeking clarity on like what the next move is, you know, how much more growth can we handle with the people that we have versus bringing even more people on to manage different facets of the business um, and balancing my life through it all. You know, I have two really young kids. I'm extremely busy (laughs) (laughs) and I would like to be a really good wife and mom and friend still just kind of juggling my ambition and my vision with reality. I love that. It's like the phase of like, okay, is this enough? Right. Right. <laughs> we keep going. When is it totally. enough? And defining enough. I think that's yeah. been the theme of like motherhood for me, just defining what success looks like in every single season, being able to say like, Hey, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. And really embodying what my definition of success is and feeling confident in that and not letting what other people are doing impact what I'm doing. Absolutely. And if they are, then it's time for a social break, right? Totally. A hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Where can people find you? I am on Instagram. It's just at green chair stories. And then my newsletter. I'm there all the time. And we just launched a beautiful new website. So everybody should Ooh. go look at that. It's greenchairstories.com. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I would be thrilled to know if any of this resonated with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at quillandco.design. I can't wait to continue this conversation. And of course, as always, I welcome your feedback on topics to cover going forward. So go ahead, send me a DM on Instagram. I cannot wait to say hi to you. 